0: That day comes where the Lord comes calling, knocking on our door. Knocking on the door of our heart, saying, are you done? Are you done? Because I've got so much more for you. I've got so much more for you that you don't want to continue hanging on to the shame. Oh, we can get used to it, can't we? We can get used to the shame. We can get used to the heaviness. We can get used to the loss. We can start to accept something that God never, ever, ever said to accept. We can get used to this heaviness. We can get used to a sickness. We can get used to a rebellious son or rebellious daughter. We can get used to and accept the things that God never told you to accept. He says, because when I died, I shed my blood for all of it. When I died, salvation saved, healed, and delivered from all of it. Say, it's all in the blood. It's covered in the blood. Why would I allow an assignment from the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy from my life when it's all been paid for by the blood? titled today's message, Crippled by a Fall but Restored by, by a covenant. covenant. See, there was one day that we were all crippled by a fall, our fall, our own fall, but we've been restored by the covenant, his covenant, the covenant of the king. Amen? Somebody shout amen. amen. Somebody say, that's mine. I'm taking it. See, both Saul and Jonathan were killed in a battle. David did not forget his covenant that he had made with Jonathan and when he asked if there was anyone else left in the house of Jonathan who, may, uh, who I may honor, say so he was an honorable man that knew how to honor. He was an honorable man that knew how to honor. When you honor, you are honored. When you give honor, you receive honor. 2 Samuel 4. And in 2 Samuel 4, 4, we read of a man, Mephibosheth. Say, Mephibosheth yes. was five years old. When Saul, which was the grandfather, and Jonathan, which was the father, died in battle. They both died in battle. And the nurse took Mephibosheth and fled. She made haste. She ran, and he fell. And this, this boy became lame, lame in both feet. Verse 4 of Second Samuel 4 says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet, and he was five years old when news about Saul and Jonathan, this was his father and his grandfather, came from Jezreel. And the nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that she made haste to flee that he fell, and he became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth means man of shame. Man of shame. I don't know who would have named their child man of shame, but it happened. Say it happened. But God. God. Because God has a way of changing things that need to be changed. Man of shame, really? So we, we, we continue to read and you'll see how God changes things. Let's look at verse 3 in 2 Samuel 9. Then the king said, is there still not someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? David was looking to bless somebody. So many people are looking to be blessed, but David was looking to bless somebody because he understand covenant and he understand covenant means that when I keep my covenant, uh, when I keep my part, my side, uh, God is faithful to keep his. There are some covenants, there, there are some things in the Lord, in the word, promises in the word that are regardless of what you do, God is going to still continue to love you. His covenant of love will never be changed. There are other things that you've got to do your part. Say, I'm going to do my part. I'm not going to miss out. And so in in 2 Samuel 9 and in 3, he says, Is there someone whom I may show my kindness to? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So he says, Where is he? And, and, And when you jump down to verse 5, the king said, Send and bring him to the house of Machir, the son of Amil, from Lodabar. And now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he fell on his face and he prostrated himself. Something you have to understand about Lodabar. Lodabar means uh, no pasture, no communication, land of nothing. This young boy that was carried in battle, dropped in battle, that was named man of shame, went to Lodabar, which is the land of nothing. So when you have, when you're filled with shame and you're also in a land of nothing, if you look to Jesus, the only way to go is to go up. But David represents Christ. Say it's a prototype, like Christ, an example of Christ. And David wasn't going to just stop at the fact that he was king. He was looking to see what still needs to be met. David was like Jesus to us. We were like Mephibosheth, full of shame, full of sin, full of regret, full of loss. And we walked with that shame and we walked with that loss and we were in the land of nothing. Say there was no good fruit being produced by our life because we didn't give it up. Because until we actually gave it up, we were still producing nothing like Lodabar, say Lodabar, land of nothing. It's not, it's not my land. It's not my portion. It's not your portion. Until David called for him. Now you have to understand something. This man, Mephibosheth, may have been frightened. We don't know. But at this moment, at that time when he was called, he knew that David had been in the position that his family was once in that he no longer is in because everything has been stripped from him everything was taken from him it was he felt shamed he couldn't even get up and walk everything was taken from him he was filled with shame as a matter of fact his, his name means man of shame and so this man hears the call, goes, he's in, he prostrates himself. Did you not hear what I just read? He prostrates himself. He's like, oh, this is the king. I went on to the king. But we don't know he was a human being. We don't know what was going on in his head. We do know one thing. We know that, hey, he could have been afraid. Like, I don't know what's going to happen from this point on. I know one thing. He's in the position that we were once in, but I don't know why he's calling me because what can I offer him? I have nothing to offer him. Nothing. Why am I here? Why am I even here in the first place? Oh, but the goodness of the Lord. Oh, but the goodness of the Lord. How many of you guys are familiar with this story? Yes. Some of you are? Yeah. Well, for those that aren't, I really want you to hear because I wanted to make this as simple as I could because I knew we would have about 50 let 50. Me, let me continue reading a little bit here, first of all. And so where we're where we uh Verse 7. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness. Some of you that may have thought, well, yeah, it's not fearing. Really? Put yourself in his shoes for a moment. You that can get up and walk where you want to walk. Why don't you put yourself in his shoes for a moment, being summoned by the king. And he says, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan's sake. Because of your father. And I will restore to you all the land that Saul, your grandfather, and that their land, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. He didn't make him a promise and give him a blessing for the moment. He gave him a promise and a blessing for a lifetime. We too have been given a promise and a blessing for a lifetime. Not just for a moment, not just for when you're in a place that's filled with the glory of God, but for a lifetime, say for a lifetime, I carry his favor. Because he's restored my life. He's taken my shame. He's taken my pain. He's, taking, he's taken my nothing. And he has given me his beauty, his provision, his provision. Say it's his provision, his beauty, his everything. He says, I have created a table for you to come and sit at. And as a matter of fact, that's exactly what David told him. It's exactly. Look at the middle of verse 10. But he says, Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table? Always. Uh, Look at the end of verse 11. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, He shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. You shall be no different than someone else, even someone of blood. You shall be no different because the Lord says, I have prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I have anointed your head with oil. He says the oil covers over you. It spills out over you. Your cup is overflowing. This is the type of God that we serve. He gives us for nothing. He gives us everything. He doesn't just give us something. Don't you be thinking for nothing he's of something. He doesn't take us our nothing and gives us something. He takes away our nothing and he gives us everything. You have all the power of Christ living on the inside of you. Every blessing of Abraham is mine. Every blessing of Abraham is yours. Say it's mine. I'm receiving it today. He he is prepared. He's prepared a table. And that table is for us to sit and to dine and to fellowship and to commune with the Lord our God day by day, moment by moment, and not to label yourself or even identify yourself with something from the past. See, Mephibosheth had a choice at this point in time. He had to change the way he thought. Because until you change the way you think, you're going to still be walking. God wants to give you new wineskins, but you're still stuck in the old. You can't even handle the new. When God wants to give you new wineskins, you have got to shed those old shed the old wineskins, shed the old mindset. Say, no, 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 devil. I don't know the last time you checked. Maybe you didn't check because you can't, but I'll tell you I've checked. And I know that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. So I have been restored. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I have been made new. I'm a new creation in Christ. And so therefore, when I keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith, when I say, Lord, What do you have for me today, Jesus? Oh, God, I see it. I thank you even if you see it in faith. But you may see it in the natural. You may see it in faith. But you thank him forward anyway, and you just keep on moving forward knowing that he's not going to withhold his blessing from you. He's not withholding his blessing from you. How many of you really believe this? We really believe this. Believing believers receive everything from the Lord and lack nothing. Believing believers. They receive everything from the Lord. They lack nothing. No good thing will I withhold from you. Those who diligently seek my face, no good thing will I withhold from you. That means none whatsoever, right? None. So I love the story because Mephibosheth, man of shame, was in Lodabar, the land of nothing. But the Lord raised him up to sit at the king's table for the rest of his life, and he was provided for. He was provided for abundantly, not just scarcely provided, not just barely enough to get along or get, get along just a little bit. No, 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 but fully. But, you know, as I was thinking about this message, I also, the, the phrase, the scripture kept bringing through my head, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And in John one let let's turn there. You know, people are people, right? And so they're going to say sometimes things that are filled with unbelief. But I'm so glad that we have a king, a savior, a redeemer. I'm so glad that we have one that takes us where we are and says, you're not going to stay with the low branches. You're not going to stay down here on this level of faith. You're going to rise up, and I'm going to speak to you if I need to. But you're going to rise up, and you're going to have a new mind. They have a new mind, the mind of Christ. So can anything good come out of Nazareth? John 1, 46, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And of course, Philip said, come and see. Really? Oh, really? Well, come and see. Nazareth was known as one of the lowliest places on earth. You know, sometimes when you prepare a message, you don't know why God tells you certain things. Like you're trying to prepare a message and all of a sudden you hear a scripture, you hear a phrase, and you know it's his word. He is the living word. He puts it all together. You know it's going to all tie together, but I hear, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I'm like, oh, that's good, Lord. So you turn there, and when I turn there, Nazareth was known as one of the lowliest places on earth. The land of nothing, Lodabar, one of the lowliest places on earth. But 1 Corinthians one twenty-nine says... That God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He takes the weak things to shame the strong. So He says, It's okay that you think it's foolish. It's okay that you think it's weak, because I have a way of transforming things from nothing to God's everything. I have a way of transforming what people say, Oh, it's too late. They've gone too far. It's just too late. They're in it too deep. There is no rescuing them. That son or that daughter, not going to happen. They're not returning home. Lie. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, that's a lie. That's a diabolical lie. And I'm not going to listen to it. And I cancel the lie. When we don't cancel the lie, we give it, we give it power. Mavibosheth had to also walk in truth, just as we must walk in truth. You know, his feet remained lame. It wasn't like we're like, wow, he hopped up and was miraculously healed. And so we get to see that side of the story. No, this story doesn't focus on that. This story focuses on who he's learned to believe he was in Christ. We must learn to believe who we are in Christ, that we really, really, really are. We're walking in God's fullness today. We really, really are his, his, you know, craftsmen, you know, handmaidens of the Lord, fashioned and formed in his image. Weaved together before, when we were still in our mother's womb. Literally handmade. Literally handmade. When God said, let there be light, he spoke it. He said, let there be light. When he created everything he created a creation, he spoke it. And it came to be. But when he made man, he actually took from the dirt, the earth, and he formed him. He formed us. He created us. He then breathed into our nostrils, meaning Adam, but he breathed life, dunamis, power, resurrection, power, and we, he, became a living being. Amen? So we have the transformative power of the Lord our God living on the inside of us. We have him. We have him, and he has us, and he says, I want you to know something. And I want you to hear this word from the Lord right now. Because some of you have walked in kind of like Mephibosheth thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm lame. I can't walk. I can't do what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to show up and I hope, I just hope and pray something happens. Now, that's where you are. That's okay. But I want to tell you something. God has so much more for you. God has so much more for you. Just as there was a call, just as David called him, summoned him. Go bring him. Is there anyone left to bless? And he went and got him and brought him into the king's table, into the king's court, seated him at the table and said forever, the rest of your life. You, I'm going to, and not just, you know, he, had, he, had, he was married. He had a family. And so he says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you. But our God says, I see your brokenness. I see the ashes. I see the pain. I see where you have gone, even astray. But I want one thing from you, and I want your heart to never leave me. I want your heart to be so close to me. I want you to be so committed that no matter what, you will stay close to me. is that the church that I'm preaching at today? Is that the type of people that I have today? that is, they're going to be so so submitted to the living God. No matter what, Lord God, I'm going to serve you. No matter what, I choose you. No matter what, Father God, no matter what, no matter what difficulty I experience, I am still going to praise you. No matter what comes my way, no matter what retaliation comes, I'm going to still praise you with the fullness of heart, with the fullness of joy, the joy of the Lord, which is my salvation. Right? Knowing that as he transforms our mind like this, he also gives us hope that hope will not disappoint because our hope is in him. He is the giver of hope. He's my hope. He's your hope. And he will not disappoint us because he, his word is forever true. His word is forever true. But we have to believe it. We have to so believe it that it becomes so part of who we are that we become grafted because that's truly what was already happened. We've been grafted in the vine. We're not outsiders looking in. There was a day that Mephibosheth was like an outsider looking in But no more. And there was a day that we were like an outsider looking in. But no more. No more. Your sons and daughters of the most high God. The power of God on the inside of you is the same power that Christ was risen. God rose him from the dead. It's the same power. What limits you? I want you to think about that. I'm not going to have any, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. It's not like it's school. You're not going to be like telling. No, but I want you to think about this. What limits you? What limits you? Is there areas of unbelief? Is there areas? What, is there any limitation? Are you walking in the fullness? Because he's prepared this table. He's prepared this table in the presence of your enemies, by the way. In the presence of your enemies, this table has already been set and prepared (laughs) for you to sit and to dine and to receive. I take authority over any place the enemy tries to come back in, and it's usually a familiar spirit. How many of you know about familiar spirits? It's usually a familiar spirit that somehow weasels its way, and it's a setup, and it's not a holy setup. Say, sometimes we have these unholy, ungodly setups. It's a setup, but I take authority over the setup. I bind right now the demonic setups. I cancel and I command demonic setups to be removed from your life in Jesus' name right now that you will be able to identify when these things continue to come back in a cyclical pattern and they repeat themselves in the name of Jesus. Minds right now that you have the mind of Christ. So minds open up right now to the truth of God's word. Father, I thank you for opening up their mindset right now that they will know when there's a pattern that's already in motion. That pattern is is a, a bloodline pattern and it goes from their mother and their or their father and their great and their grandfather and their great grandfather and it goes on and on and on but it ran into Jesus today he ran into the blood of Jesus today and it has to stop and it has to be reversed because the blood of jesus right now covers you every one of you the blood of jesus covers you you've been made new new creation in christ you have the fullness of christ on the inside of you and no weapon formed against you is going to prosper so i take authority over every assignment every lying spirit every scheme every trickery and every familiar spirit that tries to come in and haunt you and taunt you in the night tries to come in and tell you lies when it when we know it's a full, he's full of lies he's the father of lies is nothing true there's no truth in him. But we keep our eyes on the one, the holy one, the one that saved us and rescued us, the one that picked us up when we were full of shame, the one that picked us up when we were just walking in the land of nothing, aimlessly walking, thinking we were okay. But then God said, I'm knocking on your door, and I've got so much more for you, and I want to put you in the land of plenty. I want to put you seated at my table. I want to have you sit with me and dine with me. I want you to commune with me. I want want your heart. And we said, yes. We said yes, but that yes must be an everyday, not that you have to recommit your life to the Lord every day, but it's a yes of, Lord, here I am, your servant. Here I am, your loved one, your beloved. Oh, God, what do you want me to do today? Do you have that kind of tenacity? Is your heart crying out for more of him? Don't become stagnant. Don't become, don't become, you know, apathetic, just, oh, whatever. Oh, it's all right, whatever. That should never be a part of your vocabulary. Father. Right now, if there's anyone in this room or listening to the sound of my voice that they find themselves in that place of complacency that I was just referring to, they feel like they've kind of stagnated and they're okay. They feel okay. No, you're not. No, you're not. We remove the layers of complacency right now and every reason as to why it was there in the first place. Father, search our heart. See if there be any wicked way within us, O oh God, because we don't want it. We repent of anything that would displease you in any way, Lord God, that we would not be walking in full alignment with you. Right now, we say, Father God, strip us of it. We've already prayed. We sang it. We sang it. Let your fire consume everything within me. And then, Lord, let your fire consume me with your power. In other words, take everything out that's not of you and now fill me with your dunamis power, your fire, your boldness, your holiness, right? We sang it. So, Father, let everyone in this room right now take that step in faith. Let their spirit man just so absorb everything that is being spoken right now, everything that is being preached right now. Let hope arise. The enemy be scattered as God's arising within them. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Father, I thank you for the power of God within them. I thank you that they are transformed, and I thank you, Lord God, that they do sit at the king's table forever provided for forever lord even in the presence of our enemies doesn't matter because when our ways are pleasing unto god he makes even our enemies to be at peace with us so i thank you father god that we walk in the fullness of your holy spirit we walk in signs wonders healings miracles deliverance it's ours it's children's bread it's the children's bread it's ours it's yours so father i thank you for the glory your beautiful glory as you continue to pour out in this place your glory that fills us, your glory that transforms us. Oh, Father, I bless them, and I thank you right now for your anointing to touch their heart, to touch their mind, in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Yeah, and the last thing I'm just going to say is the devil can't handle your obedience. No? That's why he tries so hard to get you to be disobedient to the Lord. But the devil can't handle your obedience. He doesn't know what to do with you. He doesn't know what to do. So my challenge to you is prove him wrong. Prove him wrong. Be so obedient to the living God because love does compel us, you know. But even if you weren't compelled by the love of God at the moment, make a choice to be obedient and watch God move. Watch God turn things around. Live by the word of God. Let the spirit of the living God lead and direct your footsteps. He says, I do lead you. I do guide you by my right hand. I do lead you. I do guide you. My presence in you is enough. My glory that I'm releasing over you is enough. So let your life be marked out by a life of obedience unto him and watch how the enemy scrambles and is so confused because all he was trying to do is to get you to stop obeying and to get you to disobey and he can't figure you out. That's okay. Prove him wrong. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.